0: Welcome back to the Megan Till Midnight podcast. I'm your host, Megan Roschak. On today's episode, I chat with Jess. She's an entrepreneur and business coach. She shares what you need to start an online business and how to find balance between life and work. I can't wait for you all to hear her insights. So let's jump right in. First, can you tell us a bit about yourself?
1: yeah so obviously my name is jess i am an online business coach and automation strategist and i help people start and grow their online businesses but i do it in a way that doesn't you know time consume take all your parts of your day because i know a lot of people get into business to have that freedom that we want to get away from in our nine to five jobs but people get into business they end up working you know 60 80 hours a week to really make it work and then lose that time freedom that they go in there for. So I always say from day one, we can help you build that business that gives you the time freedom to allow you to live your life and not hustle and do all the good things 24 seven.
0: I think that's good. Cause yeah, sometimes you hear about the startup life from
1: people and it sounds a bit
0: terrifying yes. and intimidating. So I think it's good to have that balance for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely, 100% agree. <laughs> and then what inspired you to start your own business?
1: Yeah. So I always knew growing up that I wanted to eventually work for myself. I knew the ordinary nine to five life wasn't for me. Um, I actually started working in the municipal government sector right out of college, right out of high school. And I worked with a lot of grumpy old men. And it's funny because they have really good paying jobs. The e- it was like easy work, but they were miserable. And I just didn't understand why people wanted that. So I always said pretty much right out of college that that wasn't going to be me. And if I was going to do something, I was going to be passionate about it. And I wanted to live my life in a way that was going to light me up. And shortly after my husband and I got married, I found the online space and a virtual assistant. And that's how I actually got started. And I knew that was going to be something that allowed me to be online and eventually allowed me to travel and do all the good things online. So I dove into that head first, and that's what I kind of started myself in the online space
0: yeah i know some people that have remote jobs right now or at least for like the temporary time being and they're taking like these crazy vacations while they can yeah. and just like
1: <laughs> like work from the beach chair you know yeah that is the dream so that's that's exactly what i wanted when i started and now that i've you know started that business and realized that i didn't have to work 40 hours and that i didn't have to be miserable and mondays didn't have to suck I don't think there's ever anything going back to that, but it was just kind of like breaking the mold of like, I didn't have to do the same thing day in and day out. And it's kind of crazy for me to see that the people who were so miserable were also the people who didn't want to change. They almost enjoyed being miserable and having everyone else around them being miserable. So I knew that wasn't going to be for me and I wanted to change. And, you know, I got some negativity when I went my own way because they didn't think that there was another option. So for me doing that, there was a little bit of not backlash, but just kind of sour taste in people's mouths that I was gonna go do something that I was passionate about and enjoyed, but I'll never look back now.
0: I feel like sometimes it's like this trauma bond that people have with like something that
1: they don't like doing, but they're just like, well, I'm used to it. Other people complain with me. So it's fine. Yeah. And like I know for mine, like the obviously the public sector, the pension is a really big thing too. So people almost get to that teeter point where they say, like, I've been in it 10 years. I can do the other 25. So that way I get my pension and can be done with it. And I say, you know, yes, you put 10 years in, but imagine what you could do with 25 more doing something else. So it almost becomes like a tie that people can have this pension and this great benefit, but you have to stick it out for life. So it's almost like a grace for giving up, you know, your freedom and your happiness for however many years, but it just becomes this like anchor that weighs people down because they feel like they've been in it too long. And if they give up now, it's pointless.
0: Yeah. Like, I definitely think it's great and works for some people, but if you're just like clearly, unhappy with it I think there needs to come a point where you realize maybe this isn't it maybe there's other options out there I know I've seen a ton of people whether it's because they wanted to seek a new job or not especially during this time go into things like becoming virtual assistants and starting their own online businesses so it's been really I guess cool to see like just people's ideas come to life during this time
1: yeah, it's, it's very exciting for me to see like the door open up. And, you know, cause I've been online for a couple of years now. So when people are online and, you know, zoom and doing zoom meetings, it's almost like the fresh perspective. Um, so people coming in, it really excites me. Cause I'm like, yes, this is the world that I'm in. Like, welcome, welcome. Everyone's welcome. Come in. Um, so I've been loving it, how everything's mostly changed to remote that it is possible for so long. It was offices, nine to fives, long commute. So I love seeing everyone online now.
0: Yeah. And you're probably like, I'm so used to this, yeah. <laughs> like the scheduling, I got it already. Like yeah. everyone else is panicking.
1: <laughs> it really is great once you get used to it, but yeah, it's definitely a different perspective. If you're used to going into the office and just being around your colleagues online and zoom and all of those things can be overwhelming at first, but if that's something you enjoy, it can be really freeing after a while.
0: Yeah, I agree. If someone wants to start an online business, what do you think the first step is for them to
1: do that? Mm, Such a good question. So I know building a business can be super intimidating. It can be overwhelming. And a lot of people who are in, like you said, kind of that startup, they really like almost perpetuate that it is so hard. There's a struggle. You're going to have to put it in day in and day out, but there's only actually three fundamental things that you need to start your online business specifically. Um, And those, those three things are what problem do you solve? who do you help that has that problem? And how do you help them? Like, what is the way that you're solving that problem? And those are the three fundamental things. And obviously there's more nuances and facets to um, having a business, but those are the three fundamental things that once you have that kind of nailed down, everything else is just adding on top of that. So, you know, people like, I need to have a website and I need to have an Instagram and I need to do all these things. And I need to have a logo, but those are the three things that unless you have those, everything else, you're just spinning your wheels. And then once you have those, everything else becomes a lot more clear.
0: Yeah. I feel like then, you know, why you're actually doing those things. When I hear people say that they want to manage like accounts for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, also YouTube. Also, we want to dabble in this. It's like, how do you have the time? (laughs) Yeah. Pick one thing for now. (laughs) Yeah. No, I feel like it's way easier to know what's going to actually be important to your brand. Once you like figure out why you're doing what you're doing. Because yeah, it, it's craziness. I know right now we talk all about that in like my public relations classes and stuff yeah. like that, where <laughs> we get drilled for knowing your strategy first. Like they do not want to hear any tactical things like, oh. we do not care that you want to plan this event quite yet. <laughs> like what is your strategy? Yeah. I love that. <laughs> and once someone has that, they know who they're serving, how they're gonna do it. What can they do to build their brand?
1: Yes, so I think you're probably along the same lines where we're bu- we're building a personal brand online where there are still a lot of businesses who are building the br- business and that's where, you know, the business name comes in and it's more of a logo and it's more of that front. But when you're building a personal brand online, you are the person behind the business. You're the face of your business. You're the pr- person selling, you know, your service, your offers, your packages. So you essentially have to be you. And I know that sounds so cliche, like just be you online, but that's what it is. And the best way to build that brand is to be the real you, because a lot of people come on, they think they have to have this fancy social media persona. They have to come on and be this you know, person that a lot of people want to be intrigued by, but that's only something that you can keep up for so long. And I always say the real you comes out and you never want to be somebody online. And then somebody you know, online meets you in real life and you're totally two totally different people. So I say, if you can be, if you're quirky in real life, be quirky online. If you're super luxury in real life, be luxury online and just personify what you are in real life online because that's how your perfect dream client is going to find you and connect and it's just so much easier because it can be exhausting if you're kind of keeping up the charade of being this person that you're actually not so when you can figure out who you are and just kind of like totally own that it's so much easier and refreshing and yeah it's just amazing
0: i know like you said like just be yourself is sometimes a cliche but it really is so important and i feel like i don't know it it gets said and I don't know if, like, sometimes I feel like there's a point where people get it, but then people really get it once you start to get more comfortable and in the online environment, it's easier to actually open up and be yourself.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I, I agree. I actually had, when I was starting my online business for the first couple of years, I actually didn't have a social media presence at all, which I think is surprising for a lot of people. But once I started getting more into the coaching space and I was actually active on social media, I was always trying to show up in a way that like made me seem more professional. I wanted to record the perfect stories. I wanted to say the right thing. And I realized after, you know, family and friends started watching my stories, they're like, you're boring. Like we watch your stories. Like I'm a very spunky, passionate, like lit up person in real life. And they'd watch my stories. and They're like, you're boring online. And I was like, what? No, I'm just, I'm explaining my story or I'm talking about, you know, a training or I'm trying to teach something. And they're like, your personality is not coming out in this. And I had a lot of people being like, Jess, you have a very calm presence. And I said that to my husband and he laughed and he was like, I don't know what you're portraying online, but it's not you. And after I realized there was a really big disconnect, I realized like, this is not, I never want someone to meet me in real life. Be like, oh, she's not as calm as she is online. She's kind of a little bit crazy. So I kind of like changed that. And I just started recording stories on a whim. I wouldn't re-record them. I would just post them. And it was like you said, it was so freeing that it was just like, I don't have to filter anything. I just show up as I am. And it was, yeah,
0: world changed. And once people are ready to show that authentic self, are there any social media tips that you would recommend just on Instagram or really any platform?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there's tons of strategies. There's tons of tactics. So like we could do like a whole series on like Instagram tactics and series and stuff. But I think the biggest thing is consistency and realizing that social media is social. And I'm guilty of that because I would go on Instagram and I would post all the time. And then I would just get off Instagram and then start doing other things. And I would come back. And I was wondering why people weren't engaging with me. I was wondering why people weren't liking or sharing my stuff. And I had a coach call me out on it saying, are you social on social media? Are you interacting with people? Are you commenting? Are you liking? Are you sharing? And I was like, well, no. And they're like, well, why would you expect your audience to show up and do all those things for you when it's a very one-sided adventure? So once I realized that, that social media is social and we can't just, you know, post and ghost that changed everything for me. So showing up consistently and then just engaging with people. Cause there's, like I said, there's a lot of tactics around what to post, what times strategies, you know, engaging with people, but when you actually show up consistently and have that presence of being there, that changes absolutely everything.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think, too, it's important to realize what consistency means to, like, your individual account, too, because I know I've personally had people ask me, like, specifically, what are the best posting times? And I'm like, well, it depends on (laughs) A, B, and C. Like, I can't just... I don't know, <laughs> like, how to answer that for, like, yeah. whatever, like, someone else is trying to do. Um, like, who knows? Maybe their audience is up till 1 a.m. Like, mine isn't, but, yeah. you know, like, maybe that's the time that your audience wants content from you. Yeah. So <laughs> I think it's good to note that, like, consistency and really, like, being social and social media, I It's way too easy to just post and then run away from the account and then get the little notifications be like okay now I'll comment back to this person (laughs) you know but I think the algorithms probably like it a little bit better at least when you're constantly interacting
1: yeah I like what you said too about like it's so different for everybody because everybody has a different target market and target audience and like that goes back into like understanding who those people are because you know, if you have people nine to five, chances are they're not on at 10 o'clock in the morning checking their Instagram. They're working, they're doing things. Maybe if your target market is busy moms, they're not on, you know, at nap time or at bath time or bedtime. So those are different things. It's like really understanding who you're targeting targeting, and when they're social on social media. So it's never going to be the same for everybody. So like understanding that for yourself and also just checking your analytics and what's working for you um, is always going to be the best bet.
0: Yeah, I think just learning that, personal analytics like you can find those on the account and like they're super helpful because I think it's one of those things that I mean there's so many features to Instagram now like Reels is added now the shop tab like there's always something changing so I think sometimes like the analytics can just get buried in all of the other stuff that if you're not actively like being intentional about looking at it it can be hard to just let it fall in with the clutter yeah (laughs) I agree once someone, you know, has that business, has that brand set,
1: how can they start to find prospective clients? Such a good question. This is probably the number one most asked question I ever, ever get from clients, from family and friends, um, pretty much everybody. And I actually have two really tangible places that people can go to find them. The first one is your network. And I know people are like, yeah, 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 yeah yeah, that's fine. Like I'll do it. But when you ask your family, your friends, your colleagues, your, you know, old people, like all these other things, when you ask them and say, this is what I'm doing. These are the clients that I'm looking for. You know, how a whole network of people going out to find you clients, sending referrals your way, vouching for you. So that's always the best place. Like post on your Instagram, post on your Facebook profile, do all of these things, go in Facebook groups with family and friends and talk about it because if people don't know what you're looking for, they can't help you. So that's the very first place that I say to turn because those people are your best advocate. They've known you for the longest. They really want to see you succeed. So they're going to do everything in their power to get you clients. Um, The second place is actually Facebook groups. And this is where I got my very first few clients as a virtual assistant. And this is going to come down to knowing where your target market and audience is. So when I first started, my target market was solo entrepreneurs. So I joined a ton of female entrepreneur Facebook groups. I went in. I looked to see if I could pitch myself. I looked for threads where people were hiring. I gave value so that when people thought of virtual assistant, they thought of me because I was constantly posting information and advice. So that was the base way is just being visible in Facebook groups where your target market is. And as you grow, you can start to get on Instagram and get a profile. But the difference between Facebook and Instagram, which people don't realize is Instagram, you have your own standalone profile and unless people find you, they don't know you exist. But in a group, you can find a lot of people who are in the demographic that you're serving. And all of a sudden now you're in a pool with them and they can find you, you can find them, you can have that open conversation. So that's a lot easier. So I always say referrals of your network and Facebook groups are hands down. I've never had anybody fail if they really put in the effort in those two places. So hands down, that's where to start.
0: And I think sometimes with the networks, people's hesitancy maybe oh, I'm afraid to post that I'm offering this or that like, this is what I'm doing. I know I was just at this micro influencing conference and so many people expressed that like, When they got like a gifted opportunity or a brand deal, like they were really scared to post it at first. And I remember like the first time I like received a PR package, I was like, I'm going to post this and people are going to actually see it. Like, of course I knew that's what I was getting into, (laughs) but I think sometimes it's just that like putting yourself out there that can be intimidating, but it's like it yields results. Mm -hmm. And I also like what you said about the Facebook groups, posting like value added things in there as well as not just cold calling everyone, but also like participating and really being coming part of the community. I think that's so important. And that also people will get to know you better. And I think that just builds better relationships as well.
1: Yeah, 100%. It goes back to the whole social, like being social on social media because- we have to realize that we have to give more than we take or more than we ask for, because if we're constantly just showing up in these places, being like, hire me, pick me, like me, 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 there is no value for somebody else to want to hire you or to want to work with you or to want to collaborate with you. So when you provide like endless information advice, and that's not to say you have to give everything away for free, but when you provide that support and that like uh, advice to other people, that's when they really give it back to you tenfold. So Always go in it with the mindset of helping somebody else. And in return, eventually you'll kind of have that gift back to you.
0: How have you been able to find balance between your business and your personal life? As we just talked through all of the kind of things that you have to do, where does that balance come in?
1: Yeah. So I know things for me are a lot. Difference lash easier, um, obviously because I'm full-time in my business now, so I can structure my days differently. Um, but right off the bat, I was very intentional about saying these blocks of time throughout, you know, the evenings and the weekends are dedicated to work. And when those times ended, I was off now, obviously my husband still works a nine to five job, but he works from home. So what I do is I structure my days that I take my client calls on certain days. I, you know, creative days. but when he's done at the end of the day, I'm done at the end of the day and I don't work weekends, I don't work nights. And that's not to say that I'm too good to work nights and weekends, but we've created this kind of boundary and balance in our life that that's our time together and that's our time to do personal life things. So that's how I've been able to create it. But I know obviously I'm lucky because I am full-time in my business where a lot of people have that nine to five job that takes up a big chunk of their time in their week.
0: What else can others do to kind of strike that balance
1: between work and then also, I guess, play or just life? yeah so i know a lot of people whether they're in a nine-to-five job or whether they're in school full-time that is you know the bulk of their week is they're working or they're in school and usually at the end of the day when you would check out and on the weekends that's when you're building your business now so there's not to say like don't work nights and don't work weekends because that's probably going to be the only time that you have to build this business i think the most important piece is setting a sunk setting aside chunks of time to do dedicated tasks and you want to do that so it doesn't interfere with, you know, personal time or if you have kids or with your spouse or your partner is saying, you know, I'll work on my business from seven to nine, but after nine o'clock, no matter what's done, I'm checking out and it's me time or it's time with my partner. Same thing on the weekend. Like you might put in a couple hours on a Saturday morning, but by noon, I'm checking out, I'm done, regardless if I'm mid-project or I'm doing these other things. Because when you start to creep past those boundaries, like, oh, I'll just put in an hour here or I'll just you know, work the whole Saturday. It's fine. We start to lose those boundaries of what personal life and business and the differentiator there, because when you start to really push those boundaries, you, it's really hard to rein them back in. And then that's where it becomes really time consuming with our business and all personal life goes to the wayside.
0: Oh, I've done that before. You, you get in a good flow of sometimes it's way too easy to try to like push that boundary, but it's like, yes. okay. If I just wake up tomorrow and do it, then I know I'll be like 10 times more productive at this and get it done faster than just making myself miserable now (laughs) trying to get through it. (laughs) Yep. Are there any planning strategies or different tools that you would recommend for people to properly manage time?
1: Yes. So I think right off the bat, I wanted to say, especially with building a business, people, into the, you know, they end up working till midnight or they end up working Saturdays and Sundays. But the biggest thing people don't realize, you know, aside from figuring out what you offer, who you offer it to and how you offer it, the really two biggest things you have to do are talk about your offer and connect with your ideal client. Everything else is a nice to have. And I think that's shocking for a lot of people or kind of hard for people to believe that You know, your website doesn't matter right off the bat. You're picking your branding colors for five hours isn't really a thing. Like redesigning your logo for the 17th time isn't going to make the biggest thing. So a lot of people end up being super busy throughout the week, but they're not actually being productive. They're not actually doing things that are moving the needle in their business. They're not actually doing the money-making activities because when you're starting, you're trying to sign clients for most people. That's what you want to do. You're trying to sign clients. Maybe it's to leave your nine to five. Maybe it's to replace some kind of income. And to sign clients, you have to sell your offer and you have to connect with your target market. Plain and simple, that's what you have to do. So the two biggest planning strategies and tools that I recommend are batching and time blocking. And batching is just gonna come down to what can you do, you know, what can you do a lot of all at once to get it done? And I often think of content, um, maybe emails, maybe it's editing, um, those types of things. Like what can you get a lot of done if you get in the momentum and the flow so that way it's done for a week, two weeks, a month, and then you don't have to worry about it again. And then time blocking just really comes down to, do you have calls? Do you have meetings? What can you do that you put on a very purposeful amount of time, whether it's in the evening or weekend, only work on it that time. And then yeah, set some time for personal life. But yeah, most people overdo lots of extra things that aren't really needed at the beginning stages of their business. And that's where they're like, I'm so busy, but nothing's happening. And it's like, well, you're not actually doing the things that matter.
0: Yeah. And I think sometimes it's super easy to get caught up with like the aesthetic things and like the pretty fun things. Yes. (laughs) Or it's like, this is what I want to see and like work on during the day. But it's like, okay, I have to do these things to get to that point with it. And batching content is after I do it, I feel so good, but I like to not do that (laughs) and sneak content (laughs) in, in different times of my schedule. I think I go through phases with it where it's just like, sometimes I'm like, Ooh, I'm so on top of my game right now. Just took like all these photos, just took all this stuff, you know, yeah. feels super good. And then like the next week I'm like,
1: Oh no, there's this <laughs> that's
0: coming up that I need to figure out.
1: Yeah. And I, I think it all comes down to like, what is legitimately manageable for you? Because, you know, you see all of the gurus I say, where they say, you know, batch six months worth of content. And you're like, okay, that's great for your team of 45 people. So I say, if you batch two posts, perfect. That's two more posts than you had batched before you started. If you can batch 10 posts or two weeks, perfect. And you can build up to like those greater, you know, month or two months or however many it is. But even if it's just one more than you would have done yesterday, that is saving you time. So people think that's all or nothing. Like I didn't do a month. So like, I'm not going to do anything or like, I didn't have time to do 95 of them. So I'm like, just start with five, if that's all you have time for, but it doesn't have to be a really strict all or nothing mentality, which I know a lot of people get lost in.
0: Yeah, it's easy too. And I know I, I watch like different, you know, YouTube videos on blogging or things like that to just kind of like get some new tips and tricks. And some of them will be like, I batched this much content in like 30 minutes. And it's like 30 days of content in 30 minutes or something. I'm like, how though? Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't even think it's human. It's crazy. I agree. I don't know how it's humanly possible because I see the same thing. Like I batched a month's worth of content in like an hour and a half. I'm like, it takes me like 45 minutes to write like a caption sometimes, and I don't know. I know there's systems and there's a lot of things, but like that's just not realistic, especially at the beginning when everything seems ten times harder. So when people do that, it almost like shuts people down. It almost does the reverse effect where like, you're trying to make someone effective, but it doesn't seem realistic for them. So then they take no action at all. So it's almost like the reverse of what it's supposed to do.
0: Exactly. Like, it seems super intimidating when you Mm -hmm. watch this person supposedly do all this and how much time. And I'm just like, but the video edited was still 15 minutes. I'm like, there's no way (laughs) (laughs) like, uh, cause sometimes it just happens. Like you said, like 45 minutes on a caption. Sometimes that'll happen. If yeah. you're doing something where it's like, this is very text rich, there's a lot of value added, you know, trying to make sure everything looks good. It's like yeah. not far fetched that that could happen. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. Like the most ridiculous graphics sometimes take me so much time, like for oh work on social media, like I'll be looking at something for a good, like 30 minutes. And then I'll finally click with me what I actually want it to look like. And then I'm like, why could I not have sped up this process somehow? (laughs) But sometimes it
1: just takes time. (laughs) And then you can get lost. Like, I'm not sure if you use it, but like lost in the rabbit hole of Canva with like creating the graphics and getting in there and like the color hues and the text and one line, it has to be one millimeter higher. And then we end up spending like two hours on a graphic and you're like, nobody actually cares. Or like, no one would have noticed the difference between what I finished with and what I had an hour and a half ago. But we're we're our own worst critic. And I think that's probably a one-liner that a lot of people use in their business is like, we're so harsh on ourselves, but like most people don't notice and they don't care. But we just spent two hours of our critical time that we have each week trying to perfect something that literally doesn't matter.
0: Exactly. I cannot tell you how much time I've spent on Canva. There's like the little curve option to your text. I haven't used it yet. (laughs) Oh my God. It's so fun. And when I finally realized that it was a thing, I was like, Ooh, I'm going to like spice up stuff with this. But when I tell you, I spend so much time trying to figure out like exactly what angle I want the text curved at. like, sometimes I'm like, does it look good at 35, 36 or 37? I was designing a logo for like what our club at school is doing, like a little 5k. So I'm like, Ooh, fun. I'll design the logo. But I spent way too much time (laughs) trying to figure out. Exactly how deep I wanted the curve on um, the lettering. <laughs> it's a fun tool, but yeah, I think it's way too easy to get caught up in the details. And sometimes it's like, I need to just take a deep breath, let it go, not be so much of a
1: perfectionist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Does it matter? Because I do the exact same thing. I've spent even last week, I spent like four hours on Pinterest looking at brand colors, and then I spent two hours on Canva. And then by the the day's gone, and I'm I'm like, what did I do? What did I work on? And, you know, I've been in business for a while, so I'm able to like batch my time. And I know I have free time, you know, Thursday afternoon, so I can kind of play around. But for somebody, if they spent four hours of their week, when they only have six hours available, they're going to get to the end of the week and be like, I accomplished nothing. And that's a really like hard pill to swallow when you're like, I'm not making, you know, progress. I'm not seeing momentum. So it's super hard to like, not be hard on yourself when you're trying to like make progress and sign clients and do all of the things because you want to seem professional and you want to make an impact. Something I actually heard recently that was like super triggering for me because I definitely identify with like perfectionism is someone said perfectionism is a way for you to stay in your comfort zone. And I, but first I was triggered by it and I was like, how dare you? I am a perfectionist because I want the best. And then when I really sat with it and I thought with it, I said, you're right. Because a lot of the things I do over and over again, spend time in Canva, rechange my brand colors is keeping me from the things that, feel difficult or from the field, from the things that really push me outside of my comfort zone or for the things that, you know, really propel my business forward and like actually get me seen and actually get me success. So we stick to the things over and over again that we're comfortable with that we think we have to refine and redo when really we're just avoiding the work that needs to be done. So when I heard that and I really sat with it, I was like, dang, I feel called out, but like it really made me process that a lot of the stuff I go back to, I'm like, okay, what should I actually be doing in this moment? And what am I avoiding doing? Yeah, I had a bit of an ouch moment hearing that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but it makes total sense. Because yeah, if you feel confident in doing something and you feel good and you're like, I know I can do this, I'm going to make it the best it can be. But then you're not focusing on other things that are maybe like, ooh, that's an intimidating thing on my to-do list that
1: yeah. I don't want to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I felt seen after I said that, I was like, oh, okay, okay. I heard it. And then, you know, you actually still have to do the thing to make the difference, but it was definitely a wake up call to when I heard that I was like, okay, maybe perfectionism isn't the only thing I'm hiding behind. So is there anything else that you would like to add? I think the biggest thing is I just say, start with what you have, where you are. I know there's people online who say you have to buy this expensive thing, you have to invest thousands of dollars into this course or this program or this person, or you have to learn more, or you have to do more, and I would just say like just start. Like that is the most the biggest hurdle that a lot of people have is thinking that there's so many more things that they can do or should be doing before they start. And I just say like get started. We all figure it out as we go, anyways. I procrastinated for like well over a year before I actually got going because I thought I had to know more. I'm like I didn't know any more a year later. And I didn't feel any more ready, but I took action. So I think that's the biggest thing is just show up, be consistent, and then actually realize, you know, what's needle moving and what's just time wasting and just roll with it. Just go.
0: Yeah. I think that's important because even I'm taking photography right now and my photography teacher, she said something that I was like, Ooh, she said like that she's had students before that and more expensive cameras than her, like all the right equipment. She's like, but they had zero creativity yeah. or talent. And I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> but it is true. It's like, it's what you have and what you can do with it. So I think that's really important. And two, yeah. then it's like empowering that you don't have to necessarily have like A, B, and C yeah. as far as expenses right away.
1: Yeah. It's true. And like, that's what I always go back to with my virtual assistant thing. And I have family and friends ask me all the time, like, how did you get started in that? Cause I actually went to school for landscaping. If you want to hear of something different, I went to school to be a gardener And two years later, I became a virtual assistant just because I Googled it. I figured it out. And people always say like, how did you learn that? I said, like, I Googled everything. And I think that's probably my biggest piece of advice is like, if you want to be resourceful, Google it. Like, that's what I always say. If someone asks me a question, I don't know. I just Google it. So Google and YouTube are the most magical resource out there. But I just just started and I figured out as I went. So like, if you have a passion to not be doing what you're currently doing, like pick something and roll with it. Just go because everything is you know, as Marie Forleo says, everything is outable, everything is Googleable. So yeah, just with it and run. And where can we find you after the show? Yeah. So right now my website is being completely rebuilt. So I'm super excited about that. So right now you can connect with me on my Instagram. It's, it's just Ainsworth. And then once my website is live, it's just JessAinsworth.com. ainsworth.com.
0: Right Thank you so much for listening. You can keep up with me on Instagram. The show page is at Megan Midnight Pod and my personal page is at Megan.roshack. I can't wait to chat with you all next next week..